Good morning again. As you can see, I'm reading from Isaiah chapter 9. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Throughout Advent, we've been looking at the places in the Bible where angels come into the story and share the words, fear not. Today we look at the shepherds on the hillside. This comes from Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in bands of cloth, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? 
Come Holy Spirit. In these words that are old and familiar and true, speak to us again this morning. Help us to hear the good news for all people and to know it and to live it and to share it. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. For a story to truly be epic, it has to have an epic beginning, right? So see if you recognize this. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. Anybody remember? Tale of Two Cities. Did you know it, Ben? God said that? Well, close. It was Charles Dickens, but... <laughs> or if you go more simply, call me Ishmael. Do you remember that one? All right. You guys are well-read. Good. Or perhaps the beginning of an epic story where a young man is raised by his kindly uncle as a moisture farmer on the planet Tatooine. Right? Epic stories have epic beginnings. Right? That's how stories begin. Or maybe you prefer where the spacecraft from Krypton lands in a Kansas cornfield and the boy inside is raised by a kind farmer and his wife. Or perhaps you like the darker version of a young man who loses his parents tragically at the hands of a violent criminal and finds solace in the cave full of bats under his mansion. Right? right the way the story starts, it, it matters a lot to the rest of the story. Origin stories are big business when it comes to superhero movies. They'll even go back in time to make prequels, right? Just to tell you the story of how the superhero got so super. The way the story starts. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. The story starts with a journey to Bethlehem. A journey for Jesus to discover his superpowers. No, not really. In fact, the story starts with a powerless Jesus. I don't envy Joseph his position in this story. Husbands, can you imagine telling your nine months pregnant wife that you're going to be traveling? That you're going to be taking her away from her mother's house in her own hometown, back to the place where you grew up. Oh, and by the way, the journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem is about a 10-day walk. And I know there's a donkey in lots of Christmas movies, but there is not one in the scriptures. So it's very likely that Mary and Joseph made this journey on foot. Now, I can remember... When Brookie was pregnant the first time around, and just about due, we took a trip from my church to my parents' house, 
and I chose to take the back roads. We went over the mountain because it's a little bit shorter than going the long way around. Turns out it was kind of bumpy. And she still brings it up every once in a while. So I wonder if Joseph ever really heard the end of it from Mary. Why would this couple choose to, to take this journey to Bethlehem? They had to go back for the census to pay their taxes. Probably to go back and register in the place where Joseph's family had their original land. This story starts showing you how powerless the Holy Family was in this position. It's a reminder of how scary and dangerous this time was for the Jews living under Roman rule. They were so scared that they would make a two-week journey with a wife who was nine months pregnant. Scared of the power of this violent government. A government where they were not citizens under Roman law, just taxpayers. Well, perhaps Mary told Joseph that they were going to take this trip. It wouldn't be so bad as long as they have a nice place to stay when they arrive. You know, maybe a bed and breakfast with a, a nice brunch in the morning. Yeah, but what did they get, Ben? Not a bed and breakfast. The king of kings, the lord of lords, was born and laid in a manger. This is not how kings are supposed to be born. If you are royalty in Great Britain, you get to give birth in the Lindo wing of St. Mary's Hospital at Paddington Square. And if you have enough money, you can just buy your way into this hospital too. This is also where George Clooney's wife gave birth. According to the Lindo Wings website, you will be able to spend your precious first few hours or days in one of our modern, private, ensuite rooms. All meals will be made to order on site by a team of our talented chefs. You can even order a celebratory high tea with optional champagne to welcome your new arrival. We also provide a secure, supervised nursery so you can enjoy some rest whilst remaining confident that your baby is being well cared for. Want to know what it costs? Seven grand a night for a regular room. If you want one of the suites like the royal family tends to use, that starts at 14000 and goes up from there. When Meghan Markle was ready to give birth to a royal baby, she had a team of 20 doctors lined up, and every one of them signed an agreement that they would remain on call 24-7 for the final three months of her pregnancy. So they could not leave London, they could not have a drink, they had to be ready to go at a moment's notice. It's big news though, right? When a royal baby is born, I wonder if Mary was thinking about how to share her big news. You know, maybe she'd been scrolling through Pinterest while they were on their way to Bethlehem. She had to answer the questions about how to share this important news, about whom she would share it with. Maybe she had a big gender reveal planned, right? Have you seen these? 
Uh, oftentimes, they, they shoot off a cannon or pop a balloon and wait to see if pink or blue dust comes out. Here's one of my favorites I'm going to show you now. Go ahead, Howie. Yeah, hit it! Oh, hit it hard! Oh, man, strike out! Oh! Not her! Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> you know, as you can see, a, a lot of time and thought and effort goes into these. So do you wonder if Mary had some plans about how to share her big news? And then, after giving birth and laying the baby in a manger, some shepherds show up. Shepherds. I mean, you can guess what a humble profession being a shepherd was. Mostly uneducated men who would spend their time out in the fields guarding their animals against predators. You know, watching over their flocks by night. You can imagine that some shepherds rolling into Bethlehem were not the best-looking or best-smelling bunch of guys. But they tromp in to pay their respects to the new baby. You know, it's kind of a fitting beginning, actually. Jesus would be teaming up with a wide variety of strangers throughout his life. Starts with a band of shepherds, but then there are fishermen and tax collectors prostitutes and soldiers and, and peasants of every variety. In fact, Jesus would come to claim the shepherds as his own people. Later in the Gospel of John, he would say, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. The good shepherd. The beginning of the story matters a lot. It shows already who this good news would be for. The good news is not announced in the palace. It's not shouted out in the courts of the temple in Jerusalem. But the good news comes in a little town of Bethlehem. It's not announced by the court or the press without so much as a tweet or a Facebook post. The good news of peace on earth comes to the shepherds. Can you imagine being one of those guys? Working the night shift out in some cold field somewhere, just a regular old night, and the angels burst into your world. What would you do? These angels who are messengers... They bring a message of good news, of hope, and of peace to all the earth. You know, we did the nativity at the mall uh, last weekend. And after we got all set up and the costumes were up and the, and the animals were standing, there was one little girl in the audience who got really excited. And she came up and asked, can I be an angel too? It turns out, for some reason, we had one extra costume. 
And this little girl jumped up and said, I want to be an angel. And so she was. She joined right in with the flow. And as we presented the story, she was a part of the story. You know, ultimately, that's what happened with the shepherds in our story, too. Angelos is the Greek word for messenger. Now, it gets used for for angels, the flappy ones with wings that come in from on high. But it's not always used exclusively for heavenly messengers. Sometimes the word angelos can just mean someone who's carrying the message. In fact, in the Bible, angels are often unremarkable. You know, always in the artwork, it's with the wings and and the light and the halos. But in the Bible... Paul says we can entertain angels unaware. And Abraham meets strangers that turn out to be messengers from God. And in our story, now the shepherds themselves become messengers, carriers of the peace of Christ. They hear the good news that peace is coming in a totally new way to the earth. This is different from the Romans' Pax Romana, the the peace of Rome, that's kept by force. The the peace that is enforced, that taxpayers show up for the census and pay their dues on time. This message is that peace is coming in a new way. So what's the most important quality in a messenger? I would say that it's reliability, right? They have to receive the message on one end, carry it to someplace else, and relay it accurately. Now, I ran across a video clip that I I know I've showed here once before, so it might be familiar to you, but I get nostalgic around this time of year thinking about, you know, the birth of our own kids and, and the message that was carried from that. So here's an example of a less than reliable messenger. Take a look. Say hello. Hello. Hi. Can you tell everybody there that it's too hard? Um, um, and Mimi and Grimmy and, and Grim, they are here. It's a, it's a girl. <laughs> Do you have a brother or sister? A sister. <laughs> hey, Jay. Hey. Mic drop right there, right? <laughs> that one ages so well, I don't know. But what would you do? If you had good news to share, good news of great joy for all people. The shepherds receive that news from the angels, and then they become messengers themselves. Messengers who carry this message of peace. And they immediately go to Bethlehem to share the good news, and then go back to their own flocks and towns to tell everyone they know about this great thing that they have experienced. So the question for us this week 
as the good news of Christmas approaches in just a few days, where can you be a messenger of peace this week? Where can you be someone who carries good news? Thanks be to God, who has shared this message of good news with us, that we might share it with others. Amen.